1: All right, welcome into part two of the OBR Film Breakdowns midweek mailbag. We're going to get right into it, Andrew. We're not going to waste any time. Here we go. Yeah, see, I wanted to fit that deck. Here we go in. I fit, I just nailed it. I'm talking to myself. Andrew's sleeping. Here we go. Um, <laughs> coaching uh, is where we start. It says, it seems, and this question comes from Mr. Camtastic. It's a great name. It seems the two schools of thought on OC search are play calling, well known OC, and then the other one is the rising OC that can add perspective for Kevin. Long term, I'm wondering if this is a better thing for them to do is to hire the latter, the rising OC that can add perspective for Kevin. So you have a consistent play caller going forward without turnover. What do you think? Something we have talked about, Andrew. The idea that he does hand off play calling and it goes really, really well and could be as quick as a year, could be as quick as two years that that person's gone and it reverts to Kevin which is a little bit of what we're seeing in Philadelphia. Nick Sirianni's an offensive guy. He was an OC with the Colts before he came over to take head coach, and then now he's set to hire two, his third offensive coordinator in two seasons. He's, a, he's completed two years. He's going to hire another OC. That's a little bit of a concern, right? I think it is. I think it is. Whereas the baked-in advantage of having a pretty good offensive play caller, which we just established, we believe is a right-at-the-top-10-mark play caller, is that you have that guy in perpetuity.
2: So I'm with Mr. Camtastic on this one, but you might not be. I think if the problem that the Browns are worried about finding themselves in is that the offense is too good and it gets people hired away, that's a problem you want. I know that the, you can point to the Eagles or whatever, but there are examples of teams surviving offensive coordinators getting hired away. It it can work, right? The 49ers just lost Mike McDaniel. They're They're fine. So I, I know that we don't think Stefanski is Kyle Shanahan, but the but most was
1: McDaniel calling plays, he wasn't calling plays for San
2: Francisco. No, but he's obviously devil's advocate. On no, I, I listen. I hear you. I, I, what I'm saying is there's no hard and fast rule here. There's no rule that says that if your whole offensive coordinator is really good and gets hired away, then you're screwed. Just as there's no rule that if your offensive coordinator is an up and comer, who's not quite ready to be a head coach, they're not going to get hired because sometimes those guys catch a heater. Nobody thought Bobby Sloak was going to be in the head coaching conversation coming into the season. And now he's firmly in the middle of it because he caught a heater Thanks. towards the end of the season. So, Thanks, Jim Schwartz. Right. So my point is you cannot worry in these situations about the five-year plan. you got to worry about 2024 if you're the Browns. They okay. need to hire the guy that's best positioned to put the best offense on the field next year. And if that guy gets a head coaching job because the Browns are a top-five offense – Enjoy your Lombardi trophy, guys. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm I'm with that.
1: I think it's just the element of who's calling the plays that gets interesting. And I think that we've already agreed that Kevin's good enough that he doesn't have to give it up. So I don't know. Who knows where that goes? I guess we'll see. It's an interesting spot to be in. Good thing is he can reclaim it at any time and maybe nothing falls off. Maybe they share some uh, they download each other's data and then they work it out. Kevin becomes better for it if he had to take it back again. Right. Because Andy Reid has done that. He's had guys like Doug Peterson call plays or who's the former Bears coach who's come back. I'm drawing Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy he's had different guys take over play calling and then he's reclaimed it. Maybe as the well. will hire so him. Let's uh, get off the topic before that even comes a thing we could think about. Next one is: Is it odd that the Browns haven't released anything official about their coaching search?
2: Hey, we already talked about this. We did, but we'll just reiterate uh, Jason's. No, no. I think Jason is what made me think of it. Is why i Yeah. Jason, I saw this question from Jason earlier today, and it's been stuck in my head. Of like, yeah, they haven't. So that's that's why I mentioned that I said it already because I want to give Jason credit. This is great. Yeah, he
1: said he said uh, they haven't done any. Thank you for your time as a coach. They've done no. We have interviewed so and so for our vacant. Blah blah blah. Nothing seems strange. They haven't officially acknowledged any of it. I think it's it's a little peculiar, but I don't think it's, it's – it's quite clear when you heard Andrew Barry talk that they just want to wait till it's done before they address all of it, which makes it a little more strange that, you know, Stump Mitchell's just doing this immediate circus of
2: – Yeah. Well, and Alex Van Pelt part. interviewed with the Raiders today. So yeah. there, there are there, – these guys have left. There's no doubt about what has happened – Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting here, Jake, is that the Browns don't feel uh, beholden to the PR piece do of not. this at oh. all. And uh, th- so this is true not only for coaching staff stuff. Last year, this is the same way. They did not announce the Jim Schwartz hire for a while. And then there was a press conference. And then it took a long time before they confirmed his defensive staff additions, after the well after the Super Bowl.
1: I wonder if they view some advantage baked in there. I don't know. It, it is a peculiar way to go about it.
2: Yeah, and, and and last year, they never, as far as I know, and I pay attention to this stuff, they never announced their front office staff changes. Yeah, you, years, get a, you get a news dump on that. Years previously, it would be like mid-May, after the draft, you'd get a full release of 20-some staff changes. This guy went from being an area scout to a national scout this guy went from you know moved up in the whatever i don't as far as i know last year they didn't release that at all and i know they made changes because (laughs) you know we were (laughs) we were tertiarily involved with a few of them so uh i i think that they are i don't know if it's a competitive advantage thing i don't know if it's just a don't tell them unless you have to thing but they do not announce this stuff until well after it seems relevant and so I think if they hire an OC that's not calling plays, we might not even get a press conference.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at like I searched, went out and searched for Brown's additions to coaching staff or front office. There was an article written at at the end of February 2023 about changes to the coaching staff. That was about Ben Bloom, Lynch, Ashton Grant, Kevin Rogers, Ephraim Banda. So that was about more wrapping up the coaching staff. I don't see anything here. Um, I don't see much. Here. I see something in June of 22 where they did hires and promotions to football operations released from the team
2: officially. Whole bunch of names that they, they did some different things with. Yeah. I remember it. Cause I wrote a long article breaking down every single one of those moves. And I was looking to do that again last May. Cause it got pretty good traction and, Got a bunch of page views for the site. I was excited to do it again, and it never came out.
1: Yeah, the, the, as far as like the twenty twenty three stuff, I don't, I don't see much in this uh, much in this category. So, yeah, that's a good point. They didn't release much. Uh, I think that the Brad uh, Steinbrook, our, our guy here at the OBR, had a couple things about like specific people, like Grant Ryder, who's a Football mm-hmm. Administration Research Assistant, but. Yeah, I think you're on to something there.
2: They didn't announce any of those changes even though the front office is obviously every year gone they, through changes. They, they every year they do 15-20 changes. I'm sure they they're probably even on the website now. You just have to would do a comparison of a before and after to even see what they were, but but they didn't announce them. So, yeah, it, it's it's part of a larger trend that the Browns are on right now. You know, some of these other teams, Jake, that are in the head coaching search for example, will mm-hmm. announce before it even leaks that they've had an interview with such and such, or well, and
1: the, the Browns did that when they were doing head coaching stuff too. I, I remember them doing that back in twenty twenty. Right, right. So right.
2: So it's I interesting where they're at now versus where they were at, and also where the league is at generally. I I well, you don't... saw Josina getting kind of pissed about this, exactly. Right. About the Browns
1: like hiding that they right. were letting guys go, yep. so being coy about it at the mm-hmm. minimum, right? So
2: yeah. So it's it's Jason. I really appreciate you bringing it up. It's such a good point about the Browns being sort of, I would argue needlessly obtuse is probably yeah. when the one guy's on a podcast talking about getting fired and the other guys in Vegas interviewing with a different team. Yeah. It, the cat the is just in ve- GM,
1: did, the assistant G or sorry, the GM was in front of the mic and could have said, yes, Hey, confirming. Right. right we exactly. let go of these. I, yeah. It's in a strange place. The media yeah. revealing of this, is in a very weird spot. I honestly wonder if the NFL won't try to alter some of this soon because the, the sort of gray
2: area on all of this is really strange, uh, to say the least. All right, next question here is a process question from Dave. Do you think the potential new offensive coaching hires, the offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, whoever else comes into the building, they've interviewed Deuce Daly, et cetera, uh, will influence Kevin schematically more or will Kevin's background influence them more? And so it's kind of a question, that, do the do the new hires get pulled towards where Kevin's at, or does Kevin kind of get moved towards where the new hires are at? What do you think, Jake?
1: If they made these changes to just get other coaches to pull in the direction of what Kevin does, then that's, that's asinine. So I have to think it's to bring in new ideas and expand their point of thought. That's my hunch. I would be really weird to let go of, unless you just had AVP and Stump were pushing back on a lot of things and McCartney, those guys just weren't doing their baseline job, which is possible, but I would have a hard time thinking they made those moves just to have people come in and just be a part of what's already here. Like just fit in. I think they want some guys who fit out
2: to quote LeBron. Right. I think that's a great way of putting it. I think that's what, what you're describing is what they did last year when they had an opportunity, they lost Drew Petzing, and their only change, their only addition I should say was Bill Musgrave. That's, finding a guy that will fit in, not rock the boat, and kind of do a little bit of homework on the side. Never saw him once, by the way. He was on the... He heard him on, talk. Never, He didn't, never he didn't speak, and nope. he was never visible on the sidelines. He might as well not have existed. So that, that was an example of don't rock the boat. We just need one more guy, somebody that I'm very comfortable with, whatever. This year, the, the Tommy Reese hire already signals that they're trying to go outside of the comfort zone driven by a desire to more effectively merge Watson's background with Stefanski's background. That's what this is about. It has to be what it's about. Otherwise, like you said, why do it?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
2: All right, so we're going to switch now to the sort of random questions, which it's the off-season, right, for the Browns anyway. and
1: Everything's so- random. For
2: the most part, but here we go. So this is this is where we get some 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 more general Browns fandom questions, uh, random fandom questions. You like that? A little rhyme for you. All right. That's so good this about it. Yeah. Yeah. This first one is from my my good friend, a guy I went to college with. His name is Aaron. He lives in uh, Eastern Tennessee. We just watched the dismantling in the wild card game together, and so he sent this over to me. He said he was uh, out in public recently. Uh, I think just this week. And saw a guy in a Browns jersey walking around. And then as he got closer, he's wearing the uh, white Baker Mayfield with the throwback, the 46, the shadow box numbers. Mm -hmm. So the question is, as a Browns fan, is he obligated to go up and say, go Browns to this guy, knowing that there's not many Browns fans in East Tennessee? Or is he justified in doing what he did and avoiding him? And then he uh, followed up with some... Reasons on why you avoided him, uh, too, specifically. He didn't want to get into the Baker versus Watson debate. Nobody does.
1: <laughs> yeah, that guy could just be a Baker homer. You're always kind of right. afraid of those people. Yeah.
2: I think that there are a lot.
1: If the Browns put out, I'm not going to answer the question itself first. I just want to make a statement. My mom has a Baker Mayfield jersey. They're not cheap. If the Browns just put out, hey, here are $10 Jeremiah Wusu, Kormo, and nameplates you can buy, they would do well they would do and they should do that find your own way to get it stitched on but here they are to purchase because like he's really good he's going to be around for a while and you have all these six jerseys that are just worthless they're nothing so I wish they would do that to your to your question obviously I live in Columbus so this is different for me but I don't you know I don't come across Browns fans everywhere Mm-hmm. Uh, you know cleveland uh, sorry columbus is a bit, bit more melted it's more browns than anything else but you do see steelers people and cincinnati people but i i've just gone to the you know if i cross paths with them especially as like like i went to for example to get my uh windshield had a crack in it we took it to safe Light, got it repaired the the two people were browns fans that were running the safe Light, and just a subtle little go browns and it's gotten really good with like people just hitting you back with a go browns like, it's like pretty cool uh people across the street big Browns fans. Um. I think that like, would I seek that person out, tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, go Browns, woof, woof. I don't think I would do that. But I think as I cross paths with people, like if you're walking one direction and he's walking past you, I just think a subtle go Browns is really effective. That's my theory. And it's worked well uh, for me, you know, even like in just regular conversation or, you know, somebody is, uh, sees my sweatshirt or something, right? I think I think it works. So that's what I've gone with.
2: Yeah, so same situation to my buddy Aaron. I'm in North Carolina. You you do see a fair number of folks from the Midwest here because it's warmer and yeah. you know, it, there's, I think there's a pretty strong connection with especially like the Ohio part of the Midwest. So I, I have definitely seen some Browns fans around down here and I agree with you 100%. It's a very casual go Browns. You're not expecting much. Yep. The one that has been really shocking to me, Jake, is the number of times I'm wearing – I also have a – Sort of a red slouch, Wisconsin, just the red uh, with the white W. Just, I yeah. lived in the state for a decade. It's, it's kind of you, you know, like
1: hard. to jump around. Let's put it that way.
2: <laughs> I, I really do. That I, I have to say, if you haven't been to Camp Randall for that, it is absolutely worth making a trip for that because it is you've it's never actually. seen anything as insane as that. Uh, but I got, I got, I get more uh, off of that than I do off of any Browns gear I ever wear. Almost every time I'm out around here, somebody says something about, "Oh yeah, I, I used to live in Madison," or "Yeah, I, I had a, my brother went to Wisconsin." Or, you know, Somebody just says, "Go!" I get a go Badgers. It's great pipeline, you pipeline down there. It. Yeah, to North Carolina, the Wisconsin people. Yeah, I wouldn't,
1: I wouldn't go up to someone, look them in the eye, and just start barking in their face. Um, but I would hit them with the subtle go Browns.
2: I think it the, works. So here's the so the corollary to that then is what would the Browns have had to do during this playoff run to lower your inhibitions to the point where everybody you see who's wearing gear you're I think if they're in the AFC championship game this weekend I'm go Brownsing everybody regardless of what they're wearing I'm in the checkout line yeah. and the guy's got a Michigan sweatshirt go Browns yeah I probably would need a
1: little bit more something uh, more serious than that maybe in the in the Super Bowl but uh I I think what's cool to me is that there was a lot more pride this year. People wearing brown stuff. I saw it more frequently. I always kind of like making shopping trips to do groceries on Sunday morning, early Sunday morning. God, there's a lot of football gear, which is really cool. And that's when you get a good feel for like people in your area who they prefer. So, yeah, a a lot of brown stuff. Encouraged by that. All right. Next question. You're the GM. Obviously, Andrew has the advantage here because of the name. Whatever. Yes. What hires changes to the staff? Do you make not just the OC, but any smaller roles that need looked at strength and conditioning, um, scouting, whatever he said, names would be great. I don't think we can give names, Matt. It's a little challenging. It's Matt DRC. Ask a question. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, let me just say what we've already said. I think we agree with every offense change they've made. Maybe I would consider moving on from Chad O'Shea. I would consider it. Um, some people like him. Maybe he's fine. I would have considered that move. Um, defensively, I would certainly be looking to bring in somebody who can challenge or coverage usage. That's that's something I would be looking to change. But, you know, does strength and conditioning need change? I feel like there's so much I don't know about their strength and conditioning. I'm hesitant to be like, yeah, move on from those guys. Um, but the the season didn't help. <laughs> didn't help the vibes for sure. But. Yeah. I don't know enough about that, but I, I think the defense, if you're looking at like, if you're outlining it on a, on a whiteboard, like what do we need to get better at? Well, we need to get better at, you know, tying in coverages to deception and stuff like that. So I'd be looking at somebody. I thought the front played well enough. Maybe Ben Bloom wasn't good enough for what they wanted. They wanted more, more, more out of that, but I haven't disagreed with any move they've made this off season, changing coaches. And I would get a little of a, of a, a bit more aggressive defensively. What do you think?
2: Yeah, you know what just occurred to me, Jake, is Mike Rabel did get fired in Tennessee, and I don't think Rabel's coming here. I, it seems at this point he's probably going to have to take a year off. But Shane Bowen, his defensive coordinator, I don't know if he's being retained.
1: Uh, that's, that's an interesting point. That
2: would be a very interesting name to me because he, is, he would be a genuinely good candidate to be the sort of second name in the door maybe maybe, probably overqualified I haven't heard a word about him in this this whole process uh so I I don't know what what the status is there but that just jumped into my head I mentioned Sean Desai earlier he interviewed here last year and was a candidate for this job went to Philadelphia got replaced by Matt Patricia and then fired at the end of the season I don't think he's a bad coach I think we all know what that Philly situation was about so I think there's room for somebody – there's room for a voice like that in my mind in terms of what they need. The question is from an ego perspective, is there room for that sort of a voice? Does somebody want that job or is Jim Schwartz too too big of a personality, we'll say? So I, I don't know the answer to that. I, it's, you know, sometimes the question is do you want to build the absolute all-star roster of coaches or do you want guys that work well together – yeah. If there's somebody Schwartz is more comfortable with, I'm fine with that, but I'm just kind of thinking out loud about the defensive side. Uh on the offensive side, the the two names, I it, it doesn't seem like they interviewed Shane Waldron and it doesn't seem like they have requested to interview Zach Robinson. Those are both surprising to me. Yeah. Because if you're going to interview Andy Wilkerson who was in Seattle with Waldron and was in LA with McVeigh, you'd think you'd want to talk to those other two guys. Maybe this is just a case of it didn't get reported. I doubt that. I think the Browns have something specific in mind that they're looking for that doesn't include those guys. Or maybe those guys have said, you know what, I it's Stefanski's offense. I don't want to go mess with that. I have better opportunities elsewhere. We don't, We don't know. But I think those are names that I'm surprised they didn't get in on. But as we've said, it's not as if there's been a ton of leaks anyway, right? I think we're at three yeah, three interviews for the offensive coordinator position, and I think we would expect that they would probably talk to five or six guys. So there's some names that haven't been reported out there, I'm sure. Who the, those are, maybe we'll never find out. I don't know. Um, beyond that, I kind of agree with the wide receiver coach thing, but the the big headline here is, Part of this is you you either trust these guys to run this organization or you don't at a certain point. And like when you get to, as you were saying, with the strength, strength and conditioning or the, the the medical training staff, what they do need to do is try and understand why they were having practice and warm-up injuries this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that goes. As long as they're studying it and looking at it, which I trust them to do because i if you watched Andrew Berry's press conference, He's clearly leaving no stone unturned. I, there's no doubt about his thoroughness. He talked publicly about his lack of patience in that press conference. So I, I truly believe there is nobody that was more frustrated by what happened to Dewan Jones or whomever else you want to name than Andrew Barry. Because you're already getting guys hurt during the games. Now you're having injuries happen elsewhere. So I trust that he's going to get to the bottom of that and make the changes necessary. As far as the stuff that's more outward-facing that we can see, I would like the offensive coordinator search to be more wide-ranging. I don't know why it isn't. I am waiting to draw those conclusions until after it concludes, because I feel like we're definitely not getting all the information right now.
1: I was looking while you were talking. It looks like Shane Lowry's been connected to an interview with the Jaguars. They've since hired the former Falcons defensive coordinator for that job, and then I think the, the Giants have been connected to him. But not a ton, and it's going to be interesting to see where he lands uh, if he if he doesn't take an opportunity. Obviously, Vrabel gets a head coaching job somewhere. The Chargers thing is in limbo; uh, it's teetering back and forth. It's se- seemingly get down to whatever guy gets their requests. Like Harbaugh wants his analytics guys and a whole bunch of other stuff. Probably wants, uh, you know, his, his scouting professional, Mister Stallions, to come with him or something like that. So, who knows? Those jobs, like, I think uh,
2: that's it's legal in the NFL.
1: Yeah, Harbaugh is the. Uh, domino of this whole thing i feel like
2: we'll see how it shakes out
1: a uh, good I, answer from I, you
2: just yeah you mentioned harbaugh and i we haven't really talked about it too much do you do what do you think would you rather he come to the nfl or would you rather he go back to michigan
1: uh i would rather he was at michigan in perpetuity because i think it makes for an intriguing ohio state michigan rivalry but i think he wants to be in the
2: nfl and i agree I with both play. of those things but i also yeah i would i don't want to see him back in the nfl
1: yeah, I think he's good. He is good, <laughs> good, and I think
2: I think he will do good things, even though I saw today that he might bring Greg Roman as his OC with Justin Herbert, which is It's interesting. That, that is high comedy. If you want to see football nerd Twitter spend years stabbing themselves in the eyes, give Justin Herbert Greg Roman. That would be as somebody who doesn't particularly care about whatever happens to the Chargers, that would be very funny to me.
1: It would be very funny. But I also think they'd win games because that's what no Jim doubt. does. No doubt. Does.
2: I think they would be good, and I think that's one of the things you want to avoid because if they don't hire Harbaugh, there's a lot of paths that they have to go down where they have to tear this thing down because they're they're in the Bills situation. They're like $50 million over the cap for 24. It's dicey. They've spent on a lot of veterans,
1: which is a reason why like you look at Justin Herbert against some of these other quarterbacks and like, long-term quarterback success if you like fantasy football or any other element. Those weapons around him are going to get worse before they get better, and that's, that's, it. that's going it. to be dicey. Yeah. All right, next question is two question uh, from Dave C here. He says, hope one of them is good enough. Well, we're going to give both your questions a time, man. My view is uh, our first draft choices should look at offensive tackle, wide receiver, and cornerback. Best available in those areas. What do you guys think? Secondly, do we look at running back and free agency particularly swift? We've already answered your second question. I think we have uh, pinned down three names In the first podcast, DeAndre Swift, Zach Moss, Austin Eckler, who would be of interest to us, to the first draft pick choices, boy, is it hard to do that when you're picking in the, you know, what are they going to be picking, 60-something? I don't don't know, is it in the mid-50s their first pick? I haven't even looked at it. I think it's a mid-50s pick. Yep. You know, I mean, I would like, they'll draft a corner every year. I think they're going to draft an offensive tackle and a wide receiver, for sure, we've talked about this. So I think those are two premium positions that you could look at early in the draft. It's a very good wide receiver draft, and I think there's going to be some intriguing round two tackles as well. So I don't think they're taking corner with their first pick. At least I, you know, I'm all about best available, best available, best available until you have too many of your best availables at one position. It's just it's not a theory that is good in perpetuity. Now, if you move on from like Greg Newsome and get a pick back, you can consider that. But I'm fine with offensive tackle, wide receiver in my early thought process for what they're most interested in in a premium position in the fifties, fifty four and eighty five. Jake from
2: from what I'm seeing,
1: Those I'm are... so ready to have a first round pick again. I, I don't, I don't obviously want the draft to be the biggest thing in the world for the Browns any longer. But it sucks to not be involved in the yeah, earliest. You miss part of the an entire day. night. It's
2: such, it's it, such so, a fun well, thing. Building off of that, here's a question: Is there a player that they could trade? That you would be okay with them trading that could net a first round pick.
1: Who who do you think nets a first round pick? Let's get to the that's the first part. Off the so, off this off cuff. Miles, nets, right, Denzel. Miles,
2: Denzel. May, maybe
1: that's it. May, maybe. I mean, I'm not sure who else. Yeah. I mean, then your next tier of great players, Nick's too hurt, and it's a running back. hmm Uh the two guards are not worth first round picks. Mm-hmm um the joke probably Emerson, not a first yeah he's martin a, emerson's a probably a second round yeah. player right second, second little, and joker's a little older
2: a plus you know second yeah. and a plus but not a first no yeah yeah I don't. greg newsom would be the other one but he's definitely not a first he's maybe a second maybe a third at this point
1: i'd probably say a third yeah
2: so so then you'd, maybe, have, to,
1: you'd have to pair it up with some things right, you have to say like you, newsom and pick 55 for pick 31
2: right Right, like Newsom and pick 54 for Arizona. Arizona's got like 27, right? Yeah. So that maybe they want Newsom and a, and, a, and a second and you get into the first. I mean, I would do something like that in a heartbeat, but I don't know that that'd be enough for them. But yeah,
1: I would. Yeah. There's some just, routes. Would I straight you're, up give up Miles or Denzel? Yeah. Would I <laughs> give up Miles or Denzel right away? Like, I don't think so. I just don't think the mesh for their value to what they do to the defense I agree. meets with what you would want. I agree. I, think, I don't think there's a team out there that's going to give right. like three first round picks for Miles, even though he's a game record and he's probably got five, six more great years in him. I just don't think that's going to happen. And then it's like, man, we gave up Miles for two first round picks it's not worth it i think really there's maybe a
2: conversation around ward if you felt better about Newsom, but i think because you really i at least i don't now you're feeling like you're creating a hole and they're not really going into a year where they want to create that plus you have to think about the message that sends to the locker room trading a player 100 at that stage of their career where they're making pro bowls regularly for picks is the sign that you're not serious about competing and i would say
1: people could make a good argument that no team would give a first for denzel given the injury and concussion history now
2: i think it's worth considering i think you could probably get into the back end of the first round for, for maybe him. maybe maybe i think I, it's less maybe. a slam dunk than we think No, i agree i think that would be the best case scenario is what i'm saying i agree totally with you like okay so
1: yeah we answered that i think it's a little less uh promising than maybe you wanted to hear but that's the reality of it all right next question What name would be your biggest surprise free agent acquisition on both offense and defense? That question comes from Jeremy surprise acquisition
2: currently Uh. name a single defensive free agent that's available. Oh, that's what Jake's here for. He's
1: got the links up. Chris Jones is at the top of the list.
2: There you go. That's a big surprise. I would would just on offense. The name is T Higgins, right?
1: The question, though, would be, is T. Higgins a surprise? Yes. I wouldn't consider it a surprise in terms of an interest in him. The, like, getting him would be a surprise. That's what I mean. I yeah. mean,
2: like, if it came yeah. across the ticker first day that he was the first guy to sign a deal or whatever. Yeah. You know who else I'd be interested in?
1: Michael Pittman. it would be very interesting. Amen. Pittman.
2: Amen. That's the row. I mean, those guys aren't exactly in the same tier, but that's the aisle. Those are the aisles they should be shopping in completely agree but it's also worth remembering here often andrew Berry's biggest acquisitions are trades Trades. not not free agents right and it's it's so hard to pin down who's going to be like yeah that's the name i have in my head who now say that again (laughs) devante adams
1: oh yeah i I don't know that he yeah i mean it feels so the raiders feel like they really love him
2: and they're keeping if he's available, yeah. I mean, Tom Telesco just took over there. Yeah. If he becomes, he and Barry available. have a great working relationship. Yeah. I just think if if that
1: Hunter Renfro wouldn't do it for you, <laughs> no. Okay.
2: Like I said, the aisle they need to be shopping in, the all-in aisle is Devonte Adams and Amari Cooper.
1: Yeah,
2: it would be that would be a shocker,
1: right? Um, trying to think defensively. I don't. I'm looking through the list, and I'm not like. As far as free agents go, I'm not really seeing anybody that would i mean Chris Jones would be awesome be, be awesome, but I think somebody's gonna pay him really handsomely
2: so uh yeah, you really hope to see him leave Kansas City just from a i mean makes, I, I don't he know makes where everybody such else, an yeah, impact defense I don't know where everybody else is with the chiefs, but I am so tired of it,
1: yeah I'm really tired of it oh next uh question is it seems like this is the last one from Johnny Sousa seems like everyone is assuming all the injured players besides Chubb will be 100% to start next season. How many injuries could carry over and how many players are becoming injury prone? As far as the injuries carrying over, I think Conklin's going to have enough time to be fine. He's also experienced that injury before, so he knows what the rehab looks like. And then you start thinking about guys who are like not on the one-year fringe types. Do you think can you think of anybody who's going to be impacted that is going to return to a like a like at least a semi-guaranteed role? I don't yeah, I don't think there's anyone even like last year, you know, there was the Taki Taki and Walker thing, like I don't I think Chubb's the only one with something lingering unless I'm just misremembering.
2: Yeah, no they they didn't have a ton of 12-month injuries. They had yeah. a bunch of I mean, the other the other name is Watson. Barry sounded very confident in his press conference. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that he was ahead of schedule. He was more definitive about Watson being ahead of schedule than he was about Chubb being ahead of schedule. Um, yeah. And I'll just throw this. We're at the end of the podcast. It's, it's late here. I'll throw this in there. If you were building a case that the Browns are trying to quietly move on from Deshaun Watson, selling that he's basically fine – in his rehab and talking about him the way that the Browns talked about him is, is the only way that they can start to walk down that road because they, he Barry was just so effusive about Deshaun Watson that it, it's, it, but I, I don't think that's what's happening, but it did just occur to me that he was to, to hedge about Nick Chubb's in, injury and rehab while being so effusive about where Watson's at is, is interesting. But, mm-hmm. but that's the one, right? Because it's a, it's an injury to his throwing shoulder it might change his throwing motion, might affect his throwing strength, his velocity, spin—all these sorts of things. It's just such a big unknown. Until you see him throwing it in an NFL game in September, you're not going to feel good about where he's at. I don't think. I this is. I am not going to be satisfied, Jake, by minicamp stuff or beach workout stuff or whatever. Like yeah. even training camp, even preseason games. I just don't think especially it's going to
1: Especially how confused we were during that stretch of time last year you know exactly
2: right so i think his injury regardless of what they say his injury for me doesn't go away until he's playing regular season football again and throwing it well
1: yeah couldn't agree more that's probably it though all right let's wrap a pod andrew and i appreciate you guys being here again for the second part of this if you missed part one you can find it it'd be listed just the podcast before this one just to give you a hint just for you all right that's part two of the midweek mailback hopefully you guys enjoyed it the questions were phenomenal thank you for asking those very exciting when we get some great questions to have some good banter and i think you guys drove some great banter so shout out to you for that continue to go to the obr website for all your browns needs make sure you join that community if you have not done so rate and review the pod all that fun stuff again taking time out of your day maybe twice to listen to this pod means the world to us. So thank you for that. We close with our usual be well and go, Browns.